my name is Missy Peterson and I'm 49 years old. I was diagnosed with cystic fibrosis at a year and a half and I had my double lung transplant um, in 1996 when I was 23 years old. And I've been going to the transplant games uh, since 1998 and not enough people know about the transplant games. And when you ask other transplant recipients, hey, did you know about the transplant games? A lot of them have not heard of the games, even though we try to get that the word out there via social media or at our transplant centers or whatnot. Um, it's we, we want it to be a thing that every transplant recipient um, and donor family gets to experience and go to. I'm Larissa Giuliano. I am 31 and I have CF. I have been going to the transplant game since 2018. So I'm Isa and I, I have been going to the games for this will be my ninth games. I'm 18 years post-transplant. My name is Matt. Uh, I am a double lung transplant times two. My first transplant was uh, in May of 2012. And um, those new lungs did really well for me, lasted a little more than eight years. And then I had my second double lung transplant my first uh, Transplant Games of America was in 2016 in Cleveland. Hi, my name is Erin Hoy. I am 31 years old. I was born with cystic fibrosis and I was diagnosed at birth. I competed in my first World Transplant Games in Spain. One of the neat things about the Transplant Games is the fact that the donor families and the donors, living donors, get to go as well. And usually each team brings with them a donor family uh, to witness what their loved one's donation has um, been able to do. And the living donors get to go and they can compete with their recipients if they'd like, the kidney and liver transplant uh, or liver donors. It's just a way to bring more awareness to um, the need for um, organ transplants. And and the donor families are so very important because obviously without the donor families and the donors, we would not be here today. Uh, they have a special quilt pinning ceremony in memory or honor of your donor. And there's a donor tribute honor our donors at the transplant games. It's amazing. The transplant games is really for everyone. Even though transplant games, of course, we wanna celebrate transplants, we wanna celebrate health and strength and vitality. Let's face it, we're transplant recipients. So we all have a very complex medical history. And especially for lungs, sometimes transplants don't go well. Sometimes we don't have 100% lung capacity. So for people with all levels of lung, lung capacity, there are different tiers of sports. The, the first tier is a very low um, intensity, playing darts, Texas Fold'em, cornhole, trivia, those sorts of really, and lyrics for life, like a singing competition. And then the middle tier, the second tier is moderate intensity. It can be pickleball, it can be basketball, volleyball, um, table tennis, uh, and so on. And then the third intensity is swimming, track and field, or uh, cycling, for example, the most cardio, cardiovascularly intense sports. The beauty of the games is that when I first started going, there used to be a group of um, a group run by Joanne Shum, and it was called the Lung Gathering. 
And so specifically lung recipients would be called to get together during the games. And you saw people with oxygen, you saw people in wheelchairs, you saw people of all levels of functioning. We're still celebrating life because they're still here, even if they're not getting into the pool. Sometimes the athletes that have the most medical challenges are the ones that get the greatest applause and cheers. The ones who come in last because they're doing their very best to keep going. And we celebrate all victories, not just gold medals. We celebrate, you know, a 75 year old who's running the 100 meter dash and makes it to the mm -hmm. end of the line. And it's the greatest accomplishment of their post transplant life. I'm 50 years old now, so I'll be competing with 50, 59 age group. Um, it is a miracle for me to be at this stage of my life. I am a lot slower than I've been in the past because of other medical issues, but I don't care. I'm just going to reach my potential at 18 years uh, post-transplant with various health challenges that I've had. We create this incredible team bond, and that's the blessing of the games, to just have these friendships my first transplant games were in 2016 in Spain. They took place only a year and a year and a half after my transplant. So I was extremely nervous. Um, the first year is the most crucial in recovery. And I kind of spent that time swimming and pushing myself. But I was so excited. I remember when I first got to Spain, um, there was a team meeting in the hotel where I got to meet everybody from all over the, the United States who had had transplants. I don't think I had met anyone before that had even had a transplant. I maybe seen them in passing at the clinic, but it was so exciting where you're sitting around, everybody's kind of hanging out and people are saying, hey, I got to go. I got to take my pills. I got to take my meds. I'm on a schedule. It's just kind of funny to relate to people in that way. That was like a very strong memory for me. I met two really good people that I ended up going out to dinner with the first night who I've stayed close friends with. I was super nervous. I hadn't competed since high school. I didn't even compete my senior year because I was so sick. Um, so I, the last time I competed was my junior year of high school. I didn't even know it was my last race at that point. And but it's kind of like riding a bike, like the second the shotgun went off, you know, I dove in and I knew what I was there to do. Um, I ended up meddling in every single race that I competed in that year. And it was, I think, after the second day, getting out of the pool and I, it was my last race. And that's when I knew that I had earned a medal in everything I competed in. And I just remember getting out and it felt like nobody was around me. And I just stood there with the cap and goggles in my hand. And it was just a beautiful moment that I'll never forget. And I can't even express like how my entire body felt in that moment, just knowing that I had come that far. I had set a goal, I had achieved it. And not only had I achieved it, but I had done more than I thought I was gonna do. So I met someone at the transplant games in uh, 2018 and he also had CF um, and he signed up for the two hardest swimming events and he was not a swimmer um, and so he was I don't know he just kind of signed up for him and um, he 
you know, dove in and he's, he's swimming as best as he can and he, he's getting tired. And so he's like stopping on the wall. And like I said, he chose the two hardest events because they were on a certain day that he could go that day. The whole, everyone there was cheering him on and, you know, encouraging him to, to finish. And he did, he finished the, it was a long race and he finished the whole thing. And um, yeah, just I had everyone on their feet in the stands. And it was, a, it was a cool moment for sure. Um, and it's also been amazing to meet people with cystic fibrosis who are transplanted from Germany or from Netherlands and just be in awe of like, wow, you're, you're like me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I also want to yeah. add you being on the track in, um, in Malaga, Spain, mm -hmm. you were running and I was like, wow, he's a torpedo. <laughs> And to be able to say, wow, he has CF and to see you run so fast, like that this illness is really tough and challenging and it's, it's a real bugger, but, you know, underneath those lungs, once they're fixed, um, you have such incredible athletic talent. And I was just in awe and I could say the same thing about Scott Pinner and all the other non-lung recipients to watch them become such extraordinary athletes it makes me proud it, it, it brings tears to my eyes of how we are allowed for the first time with healthy lungs to reach our fullest athletic potential you know a couple of the memorable experiences that i that i know i have had i remember at the games in 2016 um there was kind of a moment where i just kind of stopped and I was like, wow, this, this is incredible. And that was, uh, during track and field. Um, there were, there was actually a combination of two moments. There was one when there, there was a, a, a young boy, a man, he couldn't have been not even 10 years old, maybe like eight or nine years old. And this, this young, this young man was out there running. I think it was only maybe a 25 or 50 meter sprint that they had for the, for the little kids. But I was just like, wow, that that kid's already had a transplant. I didn't, I don't even know what kind of transplant he had, but but he was out there pushing himself and and running, like I said, the the 25 or 50 meter sprint. And then a short while later, there was an individual who I think they announced he was the oldest competitor at the games. And I, if I remember correctly, he was like 89 years old. Um, I believe he was a, a liver recipient, if I remember correctly. And he was also out there running the 100 meters. You know, here's this 89-year-old man running the 100 meters. And I was just like, wow. Like, that's just so awesome. That they, First of all, there's such a range. I mean, you've got little, little kids. You've got, you've got people as old as like 89 out there competing and running and just pushing the envelope and pushing their own bodies you know, it's really interesting when you go through a lung transplant in particular, um, you never realize how important oxygen is to the body. I, I don't think anybody does unless you've been through, through a double lung transplant like Issa and I and have previously lived with a disease like CF that completely deteriorates and just ravages your lungs. Um, prior to my first transplant, 
uh, I was on oxygen for quite a while. Um, and it got to the point where my lung function was down to 20%. And I was on O2 supplementation 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You know, at that point, when I, when it came time for my first transplant, my daughter was about three years old and I was so weak that I could not even pick up and hold my own daughter. And that was probably the hardest emotional aspect of where I was at physically in my condition. Um, you know, that just absolutely killed me. And I remember just like it was yesterday, you know, being in the hospital, it was April of 2012. I was in the hospital for an exacerbation of my disease. And I was talking to my doctors about going back to work and asking him, when can I go back to work? You know, and they looked at me and they said, Matt, you're probably not going to be around in two years unless you get a double lung transplant. And I was like, wow, that was, I mean, that just kind of hit me like a ton of bricks. I didn't realize at that point that my disease had gotten that bad. And for them to tell me I only had two years left to live unless I got this transplant was a big wake up call for me. And, you know, so I was added to the transplant list not long after that. And and lo and behold, two and a half weeks later, I actually got the call. Survivor's guilt and how the transplant games helps with that. Survivor's guilt is, is real. Um, I had my transplant when I was 23. I'm very tiny. I knew it would probably have to be somebody very young. And I think about that a lot. I mean, pretty much on a daily basis. It's, it's kind of like, why am I here and my donor isn't? Um, what made my life so much more important than theirs, but you can't think about it that way. Um, and knowing that I'm doing the best that I can with the gift that I was given um, and being able to go to these games and honor my donor in front of other donor families who also get to go to these games, that helps um, to let them know that, look, we're doing things that we think your, your loved one would want us to do. And it's, it's so important to have these games as well in cities where um, the organ donors are, the, the numbers of them are down and low because there's not enough awareness out there. So they try to have the games now in cities where those numbers are low and bring more awareness to the need for organ donation. And that's very important because people need to check that box on their driver's license application and they need to sign up to be organ donors and they need to tell their families they wanna be an organ donor because oftentimes if family doesn't know and one person says no, they can't be an organ donor. My donor saved my life and there is, is no way that I can repay them. Uh, it's tough sometimes knowing that and just knowing that in order for my life to continue, someone else's had to end. While my family and friends uh, celebrates me getting new lungs, someone else's family and friends is suffering and grieving. Um, I also lost my younger sister, uh, Janice, to CF 10 months before my transplant. Uh, we were less than two years apart and best friends um, our whole lives. And so I often wonder why I was the lucky one and got to live while she did not. My sister and, and donor give me strength and I try every day to live in honor of them. I want to make them proud. Without them, I would not be 
where I am today. Um, and the Transplant Games is an opportunity for donors and recipients to demonstrate how amazing and life-changing organ transplantation can be. It's not just us, the recipient out there competing, it's the recipient and the donor organ inside of each of us that has allowed us to stay alive. It's not my lungs allowing me to take full deep breath and push myself to the wall. It's my donor's lungs. Because of my donor, I'm able to do that. And um, I can't thank them enough. Uh, they're a part of me and I, I will always cherish the life saving gift they've given me. So a question I do get asked a lot about is survivor's guilt in regards to my donor family. I know that there's a lot of people that compete in the games that they will often write things on their body like this is for blank so-and-so regarding their donor. I unfortunately um, or unfortunately, depending how you look at it, actually do not know anything about my donor. Um, I did write my donor family a letter after the one-year mark of my transplant, which is when I am allowed to reach out to them. And I just let them know how grateful I was. I let them know that I was training to compete in Spain at that point. I go back and forth on wanting to know who my donor family is. I see, I, I witness a swimmer who had had her donor's name on her back and she did not compete well. And she, she kind of had an emotional breakdown that day, feeling as if she had let her donor family down. She told me that they would follow up with her and ask her how she did in the games and she didn't have anything to report back. And so I just feel like that I already put a lot of pressure on myself. I just don't know if for myself, that would be the healthiest thing. I would of course love to hear from them, but I, I get peace at night knowing that I am doing the most and the best that I can taking care of my body and taking care of my lungs. And I'd like to think that my actual donor is somewhere, you know, and they can see that and they can appreciate it. So I, I get a lot of peace from that. And if they do want to reach out, you know, I think that they would be super proud of where I am and how well I've done in the games. I can talk a little bit about survivor's guilt. Um, I don't know about Issa, but uh, for me, this is definitely something that I have lived with, that I've dealt with. Um, it's something that is very real. Um, and it is, it's a sensitive, it's a sensitive topic. It's not something that I'm afraid to talk about. Um, after my first transplant in 2012, a lot, I think a lot of times we ask ourselves, why me? Like, I, I'm, I'm a big believer and I have a, a strong faith in the Lord. And I, the way that I got through this a lot was just through prayer and trying to ask that question to God, like, why, why would he choose me to be this recipient? of this gift of life when I have seen so many of my friends and fellow CF, fellow CF patients who were not able to receive a transplant. Um, they didn't make it. They didn't, they were, some of them were on the list and didn't make it to that point where they received transplant. Some of them didn't live long enough to even be put on the list. And 
you know, when you see people like that who are your friends and, and people who have the same disease that you do and go through the same exact things every single day that you do, uh, and then you survive and they don't, that, that does something to you mentally and emotionally on my faith in the Lord to help get me through that. Um, prayed a lot about, about why, why I think this has happened to me, why in terms of receiving this gift of life and, and more so, you know, what does he want me to do with this gift? It's obviously a gift. And I feel like people receive gifts for a reason. Since my first transplant in 2012, I have, uh, I have started public, doing public speaking, motivational, inspirational talks. And I've given, I've given talks to schools, to at school graduations, school assemblies, um, churches, company business meetings, um, fundraisers, you, you name it. And I've probably given some kind of a public talk in that type of venue. The motto that I've sort of come up with is never give up, always persevere. And I share my story in hopes of inspiring other people out there that no matter what adversity it is that they're facing, whether it's cystic fibrosis or whether they're stressed out about passing their next math test, you know, we all face adversity in different ways. We all battle different physical challenges in different ways. And I never, ever, ever come across as, as like my challenges are more significant than anybody else. Always trying to maintain a positive attitude has been so helpful for me in getting through the adversity that I have faced, um, not just physical, but otherwise, um, and especially with, with survivor's guilt that I have dealt with. Um, you know, and, and I still, to this day, I'd be lying if I, if I said that I, I don't deal with survivor's guilt to this day, especially now that I've, that I've been through, uh, two transplants and we're now in this post COVID era. There's a girl that had a heart transplant. She lives in Pennsylvania. And I mean, we talk almost every day, like we're super close, but we don't talk about, I mean, here and there, we'll talk about transplant stuff, but we don't even talk about transplant stuff all the time. We talk about like, did you watch the latest episode of the Bravo Housewives? Like, you know, we're like true friends that we have connected and. Um, going to the transplant games helps me physically, especially physically. Um, in 2008, I went into chronic rejection and the doctors actually didn't think I was going to make it. And one of the things that I did to improve my health and get myself back to um, a somewhat of a normal, normal life again was I would go down to the neighborhood pool and I would swim from one end of the pool to the other end of the pool and stop and use my oxygen. And I just kept doing that on like a weekly basis until I got strong enough to where I was able to swim laps again and able to compete at the games again. And in 2010, I went to the games and competed and, and won medals again that year. So that was pretty amazing. So it forces you to obviously work out and get back in the pool or get back on the golf course or get back on the bike or whatever it might be. And that helps your health, obviously, in turn, um, helps your health, helps me improve my lung function, um, my stamina, you know, gain some muscle strength and that kind of thing. And it's great. If I didn't have the transplant games to, to focus on, I don't know that I would be here sitting here talking to you today. I just wanted to say my first games, I met someone with cystic fibrosis who was 25 years post-transplant. And oh. That just made my jaw drop to know that yeah. this is the potential 
to live this long. I hope now people might see me 18 years post swimming in the swimming pool, no matter what I've had or what issues have come up, um, that I'm still here. And so I think that's the beauty of the games is to just give us give ourselves perspective um, and to create a community. We know how important the cystic fibrosis community is, but after our transplants, there's another community that's awaiting you, um, one to celebrate this, the gift of organ donation alongside you. So please do consider coming to the transplant games. You can even come as a spectator and uh, just watch and see what it's all about. So thank you for listening. Know that these gifts are not going unused. We are doing the best that we can with what we are given. And the transplant game shows that, shows these people um, moving forward with their lives and wanting to compete with one another and wanting to you know, share that joy with the donor families who without the donor families, we wouldn't be here today. So thank you very, very much for your gifts. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. Um, you know, just being out there and, and trying your best. 